On his way over to Roland's office, Morgan turns his magical fake radio to WSBG and comes in in the middle of a story. He's starting to recognize the voice of Lupus Andretti, one of the regular news broadcasters there. Andretti is saying, again, ladies and gentlemen, city government has announced the creation of a new department known by the acronym DESIST. This uh, apparently stands for Digitally Enabled Superior Information Security Task Force. And what we have in uh, DESIST here is a new security initiative begun by the city in a so-called public-private partnership with billionaire industrialist Greg Greenwell. Greenwell, having been named one of the uh, officers or uh, advisory officials of this body, we're not entirely sure of the title yet, Greenwell will have uh, broad latitude to conduct the information-gathering activities of this organization uh, with the city, with city officials backing him. This leaves many citizens of our fair Stringersburg wondering what exactly the law enforcement situation is in town now. As we mentioned earlier, reports have been coming in from the Stringersburg Police Department that a number of officers have gone on medical leave following the riot outside of uh, Courthouse Square yesterday, and many others have been sent to sensitivity training or other forms of voluntary leave as a result of disciplinary actions stemming from that incident. Now, some observers of uh, uh, SPD have noted that this uh, sort of thing rarely happens and that it is happening with uh, remarkable speed. So some questions there about governance, uh, possibly related to election fallout. We do still have two uh, police officials, the city's chief and the county sheriff, remaining strong American men, party supporters, in the midst of a technological progress party government. This is followed by news of increased criminal activity in some parts of the city as blah, 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 blah. And by then, Morgan is more or less at Roland's office. So all of that is to say things are getting shakier all over town and the technocrats have unveiled some new agency. Morgan figures if Greenwell is involved, it has to do with the drones. So that's probably what that is. In any case, he pulls around behind Morgan's office, or sorry, Roland's office, and um, waits outside for a bit. And it's a good thing he does. He's just starting to get impatient. He's starting to wonder, hey, have I been wrong about this idea that Roland knows when I'm coming? When he sees someone leaving the building, heading out the back door. And at first, he's thinking, I must have fallen into Roland's trip because this woman who's leaving his office building looks like she walked out of a detective novel. She has a sort of classic 50s or 20s or whatever, a sort of old school um, style, hair is done in like a big wavy do. She has on a sort of... Um, a sort of elegant 
cream colored suit or something, whatever you would imagine a, a sort of femme fatale wearing to a detective's office in a Raymond Chandler story, whatever that is, that's what she's wearing, or at least sort of. He gets a closer look and can tell, A, she looks familiar, and B, this isn't exactly that. It's more of a modern replication of that look. And he realizes as she walks by, well out of uh, range, he's sort of observing her unseen, but as she walks by, he realizes that he recognizes her because despite her uh, not wearing her glasses and changed her hairstyle, those are definitely the facial features of Madeline Maddie Fowler, the technocrat official he spoke to uh, a day or two ago. So Maddie Fowler is leaving Roland's office. And as he's uh, he's about to get out of the van and head in, he, he thinks she's about to be out of sight. When she stops, takes a phone or some sort of device out of her pocket, starts punching buttons and, like, swiping at the screen. He can see her frown. She, like, shakes the device. She looks back up at Roland's building and then hurries away. So after that, he heads in goes to talk to Roland. Roland basically tells him that he's happy to help gather information, but that he's not a fighter, so he's not going to be involved in any kind of combat situation with the Sept or the, the Strongmen or, or anybody like that. He can kind of sense, or maybe he's anticipating... Morgan's disappointment, and he holds up his hands. He's just like, Morg, you ought to know by now about me that I'm not a fighter. I'm a private eye. Haven't you ever seen any of the movies or read the books? The P.I. always gets his ass kicked. Well, that's happened to me enough times to know I don't care for it. I'm going to be a different kind of P.I. The one that does the job, gets paid, and doesn't get beaten to a pulp. But he does seem eager to find out more about the passenger, um, all of that. He's like, I haven't had a chance to look at your emails just yet. I had a visitor from the TPP. She was asking me for any information that I had or I could get on any meta or any other kind of hero in town. Turned her down flat, of course. Told her I don't work for politicians. She made kind of a threat that wasn't a threat, and then she vamoosed. I gotta tell you, I didn't like the way she came at me. Uh, came in here looking like she walked right out of the big sleep. She was preying on my uh, sympathies. Gotta be careful with dames, Morg. Yeah, I know no one calls women dames anymore. Just bear with me. So he's eager to see the van, the contents of it, the license plate. He tells Morgan that within a, a small area around his office building, he's got a sort of magical working in place that interferes with most digital and a lot of analog technologies. So he's like, we don't have to worry too much about being surveilled. Let's just go down to the alley and I'll check out this van with you. 
So he goes down there, the um, guard or whoever, the, the, the guy, the driver of the van is awake now, and he's carefully testing his bonds when Morgan and Roland get down there. Roland is the first one to see him struggling, so he smiles, steps into the van in a crouch, and produces from somewhere, not a pocket, not a sleeve, the air, produces an old revolver, and just sort of calmly lets it dangle across his knee, and he's just like, I get the feeling not a lot of people would miss you, pal. So the driver just sort of, like, resentfully calms down. He's staring daggers at Roland. Uh, Roland goes through the inventory. He checks the piece of paper that Morgan had, the sort of the shipping manifest, we might call it, or whatever. He opens the glove box, looking around for paperwork in there. He goes into the driver's pockets, pulls out his wallet, looks through it for ID. He's writing stuff down with a notepad. After a few minutes, he turns to Morgan and he says, You're probably not going to like this idea, but I'd like you to hold off before you tell anybody about this. Feel like we're just at the tip of this iceberg. There's got to be more to find out here. Something about this stinks. It's too vague, too clean. Know what I'm saying? Somebody set this up this way because they don't want to be found, and that makes me want to find them. Just let me make a few calls. Give me an hour. So in between his phone calls, the subject of Duke Disastro comes up. And Roland listens to Morgan's uh, allegations, his suspicions. And he waits till the end, and he's got a sort of strange expression on his face, and he says, I hate to tell you this, buddy, but uh, I've met old Duke Disastro. That's what he's calling himself now. Met him before he got quite so famous. Saw his act, the whole bit. I was just starting on my uh, magical career, if you want to call it that. We were rivals. Before I learned there was real magic, I was just doing the stage stuff. That's what he does, my friend. Not a magical bone in his body. I don't know what to tell you, man. Maybe he did something, but if he did, wasn't with magic, I can tell you that. So while Morgan's chewing on that, Roland puts down the mundane phone and picks up some strange object that is sort of vaguely telephone-shaped. And he starts whispering into it. After a minute, he puts it down on his desk. They're back in the office now, and he just sort of looks up into the air and starts talking to nothing. And he's like, listen, I need you to go check something out for me. Yeah, 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 I know. I'm good for it. Come on. Hey, have I ever asked you to do something that wasn't interesting? 
I know you people get bored easily. Come on. All right, all right, all right. Hey, uh, and he turns to Morgan. He's like, you, uh, you want to step into the other room for a second? It's going to get a little weird in here. I presume Morgan would, like, would go along with that on the surface, but would, like, try to hear or see or smell whatever he could. And, um... He can't really hear much of anything, but there's a sort of weird change of pressure in the air. And uh, when Roland calls him back in, he sees Roland, like, adjusting the sleeve of his shirt. And he sees a little drop of blood on his desk. And Roland sort of notices him noticing it and starts to talk to him and just sort of casually wipes it up with his thumb. Well, he's like, just another little line of inquiry there. So a few minutes later, he just starts nodding. And, and uh, just like, uh, figures. All right. Okay, yeah, 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 you'll get the rest. You'll get the rest. Just keep it down, okay? Again, he's just apparently talking to empty air. So Roland turns to him, to Morgan, and he's like, Listen, if you want to go ahead and take this down to the station, here's what you can tell him. Well, here's what I've learned. You tell him whatever you want. It's like Vector Personal Defense Services is owned by a shell company that's owned by a shell company that does business as another company that goes all the way back to a guy that you and I know. I don't want to say his real name because I don't want to escalate things. But he's a member of the Sept, and he's got money. You understand what I'm saying? It goes back to him. And he kind of smiles as he's shaking his head. It's like, he's got it. He's getting it both ways. You know? Either way, he benefits. Pretty clever, if you ask me. So, you know, tell him what you like. Don't bring my name into it. But if I were you, I'd keep moving. This, uh, this thing is going to start getting out of control. So Morgan leaves Roland's office and heads down to the offices of WAVN. And by the offices, I mean the station. WAVN is uh, Channel 6 in Stringersburg. It's a local institution, mostly in the low-income neighborhoods. Uh, if you can't afford cable and you have a shitty internet service, then you just watch WAVN. It was... Uh, the, the call sign comes from the Stringersburg... Uh, sort of tourism department's slogan from back in the day, America's Venice, AVN, America's Venice. But uh, other people have noticed the parallel to the uh, other organization called the AVN and have noted that the anchors, the on-air personalities on Channel 6, are all extremely, like, blindingly good-looking. And people tend to wonder. 
But the fact that it's very prevalent in uh, low-income neighborhoods has made it sort of a a very stable business. Uh, local businesses are always running ads on it. They run so many ads on it that there's a little production studio. So they like they not just they don't not a, blah, blah, blah. they not only air commercials they help produce them and so on and so forth. So. Morgan heads down there in the van. The driver's still in the van is what I'm is the important part. And Morgan's, you know, bound and gagged him again. So he gets to the TV station and pulls the van up into a parking space. He gets out. He goes in through like a back entrance. And there's this like intern there who looks up and is like, whoa, uh, uh, somebody, we've got a... Uh, hey, uh, Jim? So some flunky comes over and is just like, Hi, uh, can I help you? And Morgan's... Morgan gives a brief summary of like, you know, I, I, I have some evidence here of some criminal activity related to one of the political parties, yada, yada, yada. He's like, hold on just a second. Let me get my news director. We'll figure out where to send you. So he scurries back into the office. He goes, uh, he, he scurries across the newsroom and into an office, dips in. Morgan can see him talking to some guy, youngish guy sitting behind a computer. And the two of them talk for a second. The one that he spoke to runs off to another area. And a few minutes later, like two minutes later, the anchor Candace Anderson, who he has uh, seen on the TV before, comes over to him. Now, uh, Candace is also known as Candy, and she is intensely conventionally attractive. So she has a bit of a dazzling effect when she comes over. Hello. Hi. I'm Candace. I understand you've got uh, something that could that could be a very interesting story. Why don't we go over here and talk about it? We'll uh, I can have somebody go around and uh, bring in the uh, evidence that you've brought in. But in the meantime, I'd like to hear your take on uh, what's happening in the city. Um, you know, what you found and, and when you found it, what you think it might mean. And also just sort of a broader perspective on uh, what's going on right now. So she sort of kites Morgan over to um, she's like gradually getting him closer and closer to a camera. She wants to interview him. And he gets the sense that meanwhile other people in the station are going to go outside and like find the van and this driver and all of this stuff. So uh, it's your move. When Roland says something to the effect of, you know, he can't throw a punch, he's not a fighter, and uh, he gives information about Duke Disastro, Morgan's going to look at him. Oh, and real quick, I'm assuming that Roland is saying Sentinel or something instead of Morgan, um, but that's no big deal. I just wanted to make sure that he hadn't, like, figured it out or something. But uh, Morgan looks at Roland, says, 
Yeah. Man, I totally get you. Not everyone's a fighter. Not everyone can throw down. That's totally cool. I just unofficially this thrown together team or whatever you want to call it I just want to know that you know if we need something then I can call you or get in contact or swing by if if something you know there's more than one way to fight man and information's a a big thing I, I mean at least that's what I've heard. Uh, the stuff I've studied and everything—it's—it's more than—it's more than just your fist. So, you know, if you can—if you can feed us some information and, and keep your ear to the ground and the sky and whatever else you're able to do, then that'd be fucking huge, man. So I appreciate it. And if you will allow, uh, I would like to make an addendum to how he approaches. Uh, WAVN instead of parking and walking in and uh, being quiet about it he would back the van like right up to one of their double doors or or something and throw them open and uh, not necessarily dramatic but make a, a loud entrance and pull the the security guard out of the the cab and bring him in and either that or you know while he's trussed up open up the the back of the van and toss him bodily inside and uh you know when someone comes up and they're like uh, i need to find someone else he'll he'll wait until the the news anchor comes or whatever the producer and just be like i just want you guys to know that this gentleman here was selling products uh, from Vector's Tactical uh, to uh, various members of the Strongman Party. Uh, and right here, I have a list of shell companies, which I forgot to say that he would ask Roland for a list of these companies that shell company to shell company to shell company that linked to Duke Disastro. And, uh, you know, he would hand over the, the paper. Uh, well, I don't know if he'd hand over the paper, but he'd slap it down on one of the crates and be like, this company to this company to this company that le- that leads to uh, a high-ranking member of the Sept, uh, a one Duke Disastro. And I just thought you guys would know, and you would like to report it to the news um, for various reasons. I didn't want to go to the police. I thought that you guys could break the story. And uh, then the police can show up and do what they need to do. And uh, I wouldn't call this an act of vigilantism. Um, under... I had it looked up, but I'm not going to, to get into the uh, political numbers or whatever. He's like, under the uh, Good Samaritan law, um, I saw that my community was in trouble and, uh, you know, performed a citizen's arrest on an unscrupulous individual. And... If one of the, the anchors, like you said, she comes over and she's trying to get him into an interview, he just, like, he puts up his hands, you know, he'll, like, she's leading him and everything, and he just stops. He's like, nope, nope, I'm not doing this for for myself. I'm doing this for Stringersburg. I'm doing this for the area. And he says, I just want to show that the... TPP and the strongmen are both corrupt and uh, 
that the city deserves better. So, and that does not mean that I'm supporting the PHAMs because uh, it's gotta be equal rights for everybody, humans, metas, um, male, female, non-gender binary, it doesn't matter. Everyone's, everyone's gotta, we got, we gotta find, we gotta find some balance. And you can quote me on that. And he points at him because he doesn't know what better to do. He doesn't even know if that's the, the right thing to say. And then he quickly uh, leaves everything. Um, he'll probably have Roland have uh, written that out, you know, on a couple pieces of paper or copied it or whatever. Oh, he'll just take a picture with his phone. Duh. And he'll quickly leave the news station, tune in uh, the radio once he's about a block away to, to see if the sept had been attacked yet or if there was any news on it. And he... He'll probably meet back up. He'll probably have made plans to meet back up with the Monster Squad or members of the Monster Squad tomorrow. So he is, I guess we could call that a super late night for him. I'm sure you've got a, a timetable going on uh, as to what time it actually is. If it is late, Morgan's probably just completely exhausted and he's gonna go try to get a couple hours of sleep unless something pops up or grabs his attention. Um, but I'm sure he's, he's running on fumes at the moment.